0: Hi, I'm Chunk, and I'm going to tell you about the neatest thing that ever happened. You can read along with me as I tell you the story. You'll know it's time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this. Are you ready? Me too! About 50 miles west from the heart of Sydney, Australia, lie the foothills of the famous Blue Mountains, a rugged region known for dramatic scenery, encompassing steep cliffs, eucalyptus forests, waterfalls, and villages dotted with guest houses, galleries, and gardens. It also happens to be quite the hotspot for the occult and all things paranormal. While the area is now famous for the ghosts of old convicts driven to early graves, as well as Black Panther sightings, it also has a strong Aboriginal history. In the early 1980s, there were additional trails made and a significant tree clearing operation that cut through the dense bush to make space for new housing and to allow fire trucks and crews better access to prevent or control brush fires. Mike, a Sydney native, took advantage of these new trails. He loved to explore the national park located there at the Blue Mountains, often hiking through the massive expanse of forest whenever he had a free moment, relishing his time away from the sounds of the city and being able to be alone with his own thoughts. Early one morning, as he walked through a newly cleared area, he noticed a strange object poking out from the ground. It was made of hard stone, but looked like it had been cut by modern technology. Being extremely curious, Mike began to dig it out with his bare hands. It was taking longer than he expected, but as he removed more and more of the dirt surrounding this mysterious object, he became even more determined to figure out what exactly this was. By the time he pulled it out, he realized he was holding something of human origin, but like nothing he had ever seen. It was just over a foot long, shaped like a teardrop with perfectly beveled edges. A sense of guilt washed over him as he stood there in the quiet forest. He knew that what he now held in his hands was likely an aboriginal artifact. It either belonged in the location its original owners had placed it in, or a museum. But a spark of excitement and a whole lot of intrigue helped him to, at least for now, ignore that instinct he had felt previously to simply put it back where he had found it. He was overcome with a sense of pride for his discovery now. He decided to take it to his home and even build something for it to be properly displayed. He built a special wooden cradle for it and then placed the artifact above the mantelpiece on the fireplace. It wasn't long before strange things started to happen. Late one night, his youngest daughter, who was still very young, woke up with a strange feeling like she was being watched. A strange feeling as if a physical presence was near her. When she opened her eyes and looked around her room, there was no one there. As she walked to the bathroom down the hallway in the darkness, she noticed what she described as an aboriginal man walking away from her in the opposite direction, looking about as if searching for something. Of course, when she told her parents and older siblings about what she had just seen, they all told her she was silly and that it must have been just a dream. This, however, began to be such a common occurrence for her That nearly every night, she started seeing ancient aboriginal people walking through the house. When she would get up to go to the bathroom, she would even have to wait for them to pass. She began to see an eclectic bunch from the past, including horses and carts, convicts, and in her words, white old-fashioned people. Then, there were the illnesses. Mike, a young, healthy physically fit 30-year-old man began suffering heart attacks and even strokes. On some nights, the family would be awoken by huge thumps and slaps against the outside of the house. Mike would run outside with his rifle to find no visible culprit. Eventually, Mike even implored a neighbor who lived across the street to help him keep a night watch to figure out who this prankster might be. Incredibly, the family and the neighbor witnessed what they described to be a Yowie or Australia's Bigfoot, running off after a round of the loud knocks and thumps around the house one night. But the strangeness doesn't just end there. One late Saturday night, the children were gathered around the television watching their favorite show waiting for their mother to return home from a late shift at the local Chinese restaurant. The TV started changing channels all by itself. As the kids watched in horror, the phone rang. They answered. There was no one on the other end of the line. As soon as it was put back on the receiver, it rang again. Still, no caller was on the other end. This happened over and over again. The girls were at their wit's end. They didn't know what to do. Then, to the daughter's relief, a large light engulfed the side of the house. Immediately, they thought, their mother must be home. Wanting to meet her as she pulled into the driveway, the children quickly ran outside and followed the dark steps in the pitch black up and around the house. But when they reached the top of the hill where the driveway would be, there was nothing there. It was pitch black. Whatever the light source was had vanished. They stood there in the dark, shivering from the cold, and no doubt the fear each of them felt. No one could explain the strange things that continued to happen. People who would sleep in the room with the stone would have nightmares about yaoi's and aboriginal witch doctors. Finally, many years later, the origin of the stone was revealed. A researcher identified it as what's called the Churinga Stone, a spiritual memory stick for the aboriginals that must never be removed from the ground in which it is placed. It begs the question, can objects hold supernatural power? Can they perhaps be the focus of paranormal activity? Eventually, Mike worked with local aboriginal leaders to put the ancient artifact back where it belonged, in a secret location where hopefully no one would disturb it again. No matter where you are in the world, the native people of old have fashioned such artifacts of power. It may not take an archaeologist like Indiana Jones to find them, but be careful about what artifacts you choose to disturb, or bring home. There may be unseen others who will manifest their presence until it's returned. folks and welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast that would be rad a podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia comic culture all things paranormal and minors in retro video games tabletop rpgs pre-internet mysteries and raising our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s i'm your host woody brown and this is your other host oh yeah bad news Tyler is still taking some much-needed time to complete this project. His deadline is actually, probably by the time you're listening to this episode, he is hand-delivering this to the powers that be. Anyway, so, I hope you don't mind being stuck with little old me again, but, you know, to be honest with you, I wanted to do something that we've been kind of wanting to do for a while on our show. What we've found since we started this show is that there are so many things that we want to talk about, so many stories. I mean, we get so many emails or direct messages from people. And by the way, follow us on Instagram at that would be rad. That's a great place to uh, to send us messages. Or you can email us at that would be rad pod at gmail.com. But we get so many messages and emails with you know, kind of like a, hey, heads up, check this topic out, or man, I ran across this story and I really think you guys should talk about it. And so we've got such a wide and such a large collection of these things that we rarely get a chance to even touch on. So I thought this week I would cover this story that I came across, I don't know, a couple months ago now, that we just haven't had a chance to really kind of fit it into our schedule really. You know there's so many things that we want to talk about and cover and obviously you know sort of like the the Hall of Fame sort of topics and and stuff like that but we love finding these really strange obscure stories from around the world and for some reason gosh we we end up talking about Australia a good bit on our show but this story I mean let's just be honest for a second. The first time I read it It has so many different elements to it that I thought, okay, this person is just making it up. There are so many crazy things that happen to this family. It's kind of hard to believe. You know, just at the very beginning, it's like, okay, so the youngest daughter starts to see these ancient Aboriginal people sort of walking around her hallway Every single night as she gets up to go to the bathroom, she even has to kind of like let them pass by her so that she can kind of get there. That in itself, scary enough, right? And then there's the health problems that Mike had. And then they see a Yowie or Australia's Bigfoot. And then like sort of poltergeist activity with the television and, and then bright lights outside. I mean, seemingly it just never, it never ends. I I half expected the story to end with, and then a portal opened up and a man came out and said, hi, I'm John Teeter." You know, I didn't know what to expect. But we've talked about objects on the show before that, that may potentially harbor evil spirits or entities or even energy, really. Primarily it was the episode where we talked about the dibuk box. I will put well let me uh, let me get the the episode researcher on board here. You can listen to that topic here. Season 2, episode 5. Dibuk demons, ghosts and golems. And aside from just that box that we talk about uh in that episode we also kind of uncover some stuff in an old ancient jewish mysticism and the lore behind a lot of different things uh even golems and stuff like that which is always fascinating to me you know there any kind of old ancient lore and belief systems um you know recently i've been watching the new moon Knight show on disney plus and i'm just fascinated by it for a lot of different reasons, but I love that they're bringing in Egyptian. I love the fact that the character has baked into it. Like this, you know, the Egyptian gods and the, the old ancient lore, there's just something about old ancient world and, and beliefs and gods and magic and mysticism and stuff that is just so fascinating to me. And that's really kind of what made me gravitate or, or or just stood out to me uh, in this story, just from the get go. You know, it's one of those things where obviously if I'm, I think about it in in my own life experience in terms of, you know, you're hiking around, especially here in North Georgia or um, other places that I've camped and the wilderness up in North Carolina. Oftentimes we don't really think much about, you know, if we find an arrowhead from a Native American uh, in the ground and taking that back home with us. You don't really think about these objects and their ability to potentially store energy or things or memories. And so when I began to sort of look at this aboriginal lore about these Charinga stones, and you know, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I need to kind of defer to the experts here. And so I'm going to call on our friend, listener, and superhero from Australia, Matt Man, to let us know how we're supposed to be pronouncing it So, Matt, man, how, did, how does that go? Churanga Oh, right, so definitely, uh, was definitely mispronouncing it uh, But what else is new? If you're a listener on the show, you know I tend to Well, both Tyler and I tend to uh, to butcher uh, correct pronunciations Especially uh, from around the world So here's something that I didn't, well, I guess After these messages will be right America's future can be determined by our dreams and our visions. It was very intense, broad line. For over 200 years, there have been reports of giant man like creatures. From another dimension, another world. I don't know. The most intriguing mystery on the North American continent. Hey, this is Bryce Johnson from the Bigfoot Collectors Club, and you're listening to Tyler and Woody on That Would Be Rad, because that is rad. So here's something that I didn't, I guess, should have realized, but didn't realize um, due to just my own personal ignorance uh, about the aboriginal uh, people in Australia. Just like here in North America, you know, there were different tribes and from within those different tribes, different sort of beliefs and lore and A lot of it, you know, shared some similarities, but there were a lot of sort of different things. So specifically, when we're talking about this Charinga stone, um, in this case, uh, what these people found, we're talking about specifically the lore from the Durug people. And as I started researching about the Charinga stone in general, I found that there were a lot of just different sort of beliefs surrounding it. But they were all sort of equally fascinating to me. So one of the things I found that is just unreal to me is that in a lot of these tribes, there's this belief in reincarnation of ancestral spirits uh, during cosmic cycles and stuff that are attached to and inscribed in these stone artifacts. Another thing that I read was that they called it sort of their spiritual memory stick. It is where they, in a sense would transcribe their tribe's lore and history into the stone. And from there, that's where it would live. And so it was a very, very sacred object. In the lore of other tribes and stuff, they would also be a little bit more elaborate in design, you know. and, And also they believed that the... Chirunga represented either this the actual spiritual double of a living native or uh, the embodiment of a spirit of an a, a, like a an old like sort of powerful ancestor. One thing that I found too it sometimes was that the entities that they depicted on some of these were mythological what they call Mimi figures who are like little mischievous beings that, taught the Aboriginals how to hunt and survive. Kind of eventually, the term "charanga" was kind of a universal term applied to many of the sort of sacred objects that the Aboriginals had. And so I think that's part of the reason why on my end, as, you know, an American not very versed in Aboriginal history and stuff, you know, maybe that's why some of the different beliefs and stuff were kind of jumbled But I just find it extremely fascinating that a lot of these sort of stone boards or like tablets or even this thing that this man found have a connection to something else, something more powerful, potentially. I mean, some are closely associated with the mythic beings um, of the dreaming. And that's something that we definitely want to cover on our show because again, it's it's just fascinating this this concept, this Aboriginal concept of the dreaming. And these these beings uh, that are associated with the dreaming, I mean these are these are the beings that in their lore shaped the the physiographic features of the Aboriginal countryside and ultimately they were responsible for creation of human beings. And here's a cool parallel with the lore that they kind of get into in the show or in the story of Moon Knight with the Egyptian gods and stuff. So the dreaming characters or, or spiritual figures or, or beings are believed to be as alive today spiritually as they were in the past. It's through these sacred objects that they live on in their spiritual form now all of that to say you know you kind of understand potentially if that is what these people found in the woods brought back to their home so they could show it off to their buddies you can kind of understand why this weird stuff started happening and like i said beliefs about the origin of the churanga vary throughout the culture right but I would say universally, though, it's believed that the Turunga were either created by mythic beings or that they represent tangible aspects of the beings' bodies or something directly associated with them. In almost all of the cases, a Churanga is, is essentially the vehicle in which reside this part of a, of a mythic being's spiritual essence. And whenever I read about this next sort of uh, fact, this is when I'm like, okay, this family, oopsie daisies, dad should never have brought that bad boy home. Listen to this: some charanga, particularly those with well-worn designs or those having none, which is kind of like what this guy found, are regarded as the actual metamorphoses of mythic beings. I mean, it's painfully obvious to me, and you would now, I guess hind, you know, hindsight, of course, is is twenty twenty. I, I don't know, like I said earlier, if I would ever have any, before knowing kind of more about this and sort of being young, if I would have had any sort of reservation of just, oh, look at this object that I found in the woods, and to go and show it to someone else. I mean, it never really, I think, would have crossed my mind as a youngster exploring the woods and um, to just leave something be I mean obviously if it was something bigger like a, uh, I don't know like an abandoned temple in the jungle or whatever you know I'm not saying that I didn't have any reverence for that sort of thing but you know just an object I think I might have been like this guy you know I, th- I think I may have spent the time to dig it out and be like oh what did I find and get all excited and let that excitement sort of take me over and end up sort of showing it on my shelves. I mean, nowadays I've got, you know, old 80s toys and comic books and VHS and baseball cards and just relics of the past. Are these my totems? Do they, are, are they able to collect energy? You know, that's the thing that fascinated me. Me about this story. I mean, we're not even we haven't even talked yet about the Yowie encounter or even the like poltergeist type activity that happened with these with these kids in the and the in the lights uh, outside. It just really makes you think. Like, can is that possible? Can objects store things like memories and dreams or energy or? spiritual beings I mean that's really kind of I mean at at the heart of it all that's the question about a story like this you know all the crazy stuff that happens after it's removed from where it was placed I don't know can objects be cursed or can they be blessed you know that's another thing that I thought of whenever I was first reading this story too is you know just because these things these quote-unquote bad things are happening to these people ultimately I mean are those entities or spirits or whatever it is that's trying to essentially mess with these people until it gets returned to its rightful place I mean can we really consider them evil I mean to me if 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 an object can hold some sort of energy like this, whether it's a, uh, a memory or a dream or a being or, or, whatever, then wouldn't it be true that like, it can also hold like good things, right? I don't know. So often I think when we think of, um, an object and I think maybe that's our, um, maybe in our own sort of modern zeitgeist and stuff, in our own sort of religious beliefs that don't necessarily kind of line up with the the old sort of Native American, just as an example, um, lore and, and belief system. We don't really think of objects. We, we, we only think of sort of the, the evil aspects of it, right? Like the demonic sort of, angle of these objects. I mean, so many movies uh, and stories about these, like, cursed objects and things that that happen. But I wonder if we left those things alone, if we left them where they were in the ground instead of digging them up or opening the Dybbuk box. I mean, I don't know. My, my point is, you're not going to convince me <laughs> after hearing this story to mess with any of that stuff right like I'm also the guy that's not going to really mess around with the Ouija board not necessarily because I believe that it's really working and all that I just don't have an interest in accidentally inviting something weird strange or hey doesn't have to be evil it could just be somebody that doesn't want to hey we just invite you into this reality or dimension or whatever and they don't want to be here so I don't want to mess with anything like that. <laughs> so I'm leaving whatever's kind of stuck in the ground. I think, hey, man, I'll take a picture of it. I'll I'll sort of show it to you guys and say, hey, this is interesting. I may not disclose the location of it to keep you safe and to keep the object safe, but I'm definitely not digging it out of the ground, right? You know, typically I would have Tyler in the studio here talking about maybe some of his personal experiences with things or, you know, tapping into sort of his knowledge base about this kind of stuff and the episode would, would, you know, kind of cover a lot more, but here's where I kind of want your help. If you're listening to this now, I want to know what your thoughts are about all this. Like, do you think objects can kind of hold this kind of stuff? Have you heard stories perhaps in your own culture, wherever you are in the world that kind of sounds similar to this. You know, the parallel lore that occurred before our communication here on Earth was so advanced is also something that really fascinates me. It's the same thing and the same kind of concept that fascinates Tyler and I both about UFO sightings throughout history and Bigfoot sightings throughout history. As I began to become more aware uh, by reading things like, well, a book that I constantly bring up on our show, Jacques Vallée's Passport to Magonia. After reading that, I began to become more aware that, you know, UFO sightings didn't just happen after Roswell in 1947 and later into the 50s and, you know, all that. They've been happening for a very, hundreds of years documented. And same with. Bigfoot sightings. And isn't it curious that all around the world almost every culture has some sort of Bigfoot creature. And we haven't even begun to scratch the surface on lore surrounding the fae and fairies and all of these different types of characters that exist in human history. I mean, it's just fascinating. So all that to say if you have something that sounds familiar in your own culture or a similar experience that you know of, I want to know about it this week. So the best place to do that is yes, you can email us at thatwouldberadpod at gmail.com. But really the quickest way to get our attention is if you direct message us on Instagram and we can be found there at that would be rad. And you know, drop a message in the comments. Let's start this discussion about this topic. Like I said, this week is a little bit different, but I think this is kind of a cool new thing that we're going to be doing on the show. Not me solo necessarily, but a cool way to sort of share a story that we've heard that we've been dying to kind of get out there in a more sort of story time kind of vibe. And although there's plenty more that we could talk about, and truthfully, if Tyler was in the studio today, I'm sure we would just talk for hours about this specific case, but I'm dying to know what you think. One thing before we go, I got to say that the sort of poltergeist activity and the Yowie sighting being so closely sort of back-to-back or related, man, it really makes me think about, you know, the conversation we had with Bryce, uh, well, at the beginning of season two, our first episode this season, but also anytime we have talked about Bigfoot, uh, in any of our prior episodes I think we may have touched on this but a conversation that Tyler and I have had a lot lately is this idea that so many of these phenomena that humankind have experienced for well as long as as it's been you know passed down via oral tradition or written history so many of these things are interconnected and to me that's just incredibly bad to the bone. You know, I just love it. And I think that's what really makes this what we call rad strangeness. Okay, that's enough rambling for me today. I really hope you enjoyed spending this story time with me. Um, And I can't wait to kind of hear what you think about this story. I just wanted to say, also, thank you to all the listeners that have been submitting their own personal stories. We have a bunch of incredible stories directly from you, the listener. And so, I am so excited to share those stories with you. And again, you know, it takes a, it takes a, a a little bit of bravery for for you to share your own personal story and then agree to let us share it with a bunch of strangers all around the world. But I think if there's one thing that we have come to learn at that would be rad. It's that we have this amazing opportunity to connect with other people that are like us. We all have so many different interests in so many different things. And I think that's why I love this show. And we love making this show. So, so much. One thing that you can do to kind of help us so that we can continue to make this show possible is number one, take a quick second to let us and the world know what you think about the show by, by leaving a five star review on wherever you're listening to this podcast and you want to know what else, you know, friends don't let friends listen to crummy podcasts. So be sure to bring them along with you. If you just told one person, whether it's a friend, a family member, a co-worker, your Starbucks barista, whatever. If you just told one person about our show just to check us out, you know, that helps us tremendously. And like I said, it's so much fun for us to meet new people and we appreciate every single one of you. So like we always say, and it's usually Tyler saying it, we love you, we appreciate you, and as always be rad. That's the way